This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. As you go on your journey of living the one thing, there are specific steps you go from. And we have an acronym for this. It's called TIME, T-I-M-E, moving from treading to implementing to mastering to empowering. Here's what we mean by this. Treading. You start by just treading, trying to keep your head above water. All the things that are going on in your life, you're moving in a million miles an hour, your feet below, you're moving so fast, you're trying so hard. And it's not sustainable. And then you discover the principles and the models of the one thing and you start implementing them. And you implement them until you start to experience the benefits it brings to your life. And ultimately, you get to a point where you make a decision. Am I going to just focus on implementing or am I actually going to make a commitment to mastering this? And once you begin following the path of mastery is when you really start to pick up momentum. And inevitably, you're going to look up and realize that the highest level of success is not your own. It's in your ability to empower others to achieve it. And that's when you move into the empowering stage. The person you are going to meet today is somebody who has gone on this journey, starting as a working mother, a loving wife, a small business owner who is treading and it wasn't sustainable. And how she went about discovering the one thing, the simple things she started to do to implement them that we know will resonate with you. These are things that every single one of you can do. And ultimately, she hit a tipping point where she made a commitment to mastering. Her path was getting certified in the one thing. And as she mastered it herself, she got to a point that she was so good that we could not ignore her. And we actually brought her into our organization. And now she's in a position where she gets to empower people in a very big scale. We send her into organizations to to help them transform their cultures, to create an organization where, where people wake up with real clarity on what the one thing is for the organization. And they understand the handful of dominoes that they can knock down this week to be on track for that and living an extraordinary life outside of work. There's a lot of resources that she points to that she used on her journey from Core Values Deck, the Planner, the Certification Program. If you just check the show notes below this, you'll see the direct links for them. And you can always just go to the onething.com. That's with the number one in the URL. And you'll find everything that she has referred to on that website. With that, let's get into this conversation with Elizabeth Curry. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. 
Elizabeth, take us back to life before you were introduced to the one thing. Describe what life was like for you. Life was messy, Jeff. It was very messy. What it looked like was me running around like a chicken without a head, attempting to be in all places at the same time. I think back to my daughter being two years old and living that I can make it to the preschool event. I can go do a business appointment. I can juggle life. It was absolutely messy and chaotic. Did you see another way though at the time? No, I I honestly thought that if I just moved faster, if I woke up earlier, if I went to bed later, I would just find more time in not sleeping is where I would find my time. (laughs) What started to happen as you went down that path? Not sleeping is not healthy. And so there's a couple of things that I noticed. First off, I wasn't getting anything done any quicker. Because by the time that the hours started to set, I was actually starting to feel like I was moving slower. I wasn't moving any faster. And that's not sustainable. There there came a time where it's like, mommy crashed. That's it. Here it is. Yeah. How were you introduced to the one thing? I was at a convention. And I had the pleasure of being able to hear you and Jay Papasan speak on it. And it's funny because I I went to the session thinking I was going to learn habits that billionaires set. And I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to get some habits in. And then I came back with, oh, no, snap. It's not about being a billionaire. It's about creating some really strong habits to, to help you ground your life. I know exactly. And that was eye-opening for me. I know exactly what session you're talking about. Had you, had you heard of the one thing or read the one thing prior to this? Not prior to that session, no. Really? Okay, so you see the title, How Billionaires Set Goals. And you show up for the yeah. session. And you're like, all right, this is this is... This is what I'm going to learn. Be specific. What was it in that session that was the light bulb for you? Jeff, I remember where I was sitting from the stage, three rows out, and it was the values exercise. Mm. That value exercise, I get a knot in my stomach now just even thinking about it because it was so nauseating to sit there and to go through the values exercise to realize how out of whack I was with those values. So you're referring to, um, we've done a lot of episodes around the core values, and we did uh, this exercise for all the people that were in the room. What helped you understand that you were out of whack with your values? When I looked at what values I I had picked through the exercise, and I asked myself, where are they showing up for you now? Mm-hmm. And, and they weren't showing up. They almost felt like distant memories. I was like, well, that sounds like a great idea. I remember when, or I hope to one day. And, and it was one of those moments where I was like, I almost felt like, like I wasn't even being authentic with myself because here were my values in front of me. And if you looked at my life, you would say, well, where were they showing up? Mm-hmm. What were your values? My values were connection, growth, and wealth. And those weren't showing up in your life? You didn't see them. Huh. A lot of people have this realization when they go through this exercise. They narrow it down to the top three. And it's not the three they want them to be. It's the three that actually are your values. Whether you like them or not, they are your values. And then they often go, holy smokes. They they immediately see all the ways that they are living out of alignment with those values. What did you do with that information? At first, I put them in the notebook, right? Session (laughs) over, move on to the next session. They go into the notebook. 
However, I am a forever grower, student, educator, all things learning. And I have a debrief whenever I go to a seminar or a convention. And I came home from my debrief and I sat next to my husband of 20 years. And I said to him, there's something seriously not aligned. And at first he looked at me like, uh-oh, <laughs> what do you mean something's not aligned? Oh, she and went I to said, another no, no, convention. Now she's coming back with all the ideas. Here we go. <laughs> right? But fasten your seatbelts. And I said, it's interesting because this has got nothing to do with the outside world and it has everything to do with me. <laughs> and he gave me the space and, and Jeff, I cried at first. I, I cried because I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a businesswoman, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm so many things. And in that moment, I felt like I wasn't winning at anything. So what'd you do? After I had my debrief cry, if you will, I said, well, what did you learn by going through this exercise and how do you implement it? So the first thing I did was take every single color-coded calendar out of my calendar, wiped it completely clean digitally, just wiped it clean. I felt like I needed permission and space to think and say, we're now that I've got a clean slate. I'm going to take my values. And what should I be doing? What did you ultimately say no to that you had previously been saying yes to when you did this exercise? That's a big thing for me. Um, <laughs> because I, I was big on, you know, if you, if you can imagine a full life and then, hey, you know what? There's still time to volunteer here and there. And, you know, just constantly. What I had to say no to was anything that didn't align with my values. So the first thing that I did was take these three words and put them in my paper planner because at a core, I'm a paper planner girl. And every time I went to go do something, I looked at my values. And I said, is what you're about to say yes to in alignment with that? Because if it's not, you're going to have to say no. Hmm. What was an example of something that got the no? Candidly, it was uh, Christmas time and the office wanted somebody to volunteer to put together a Christmas uh, float for a parade. And any other day, I would have been like, oh my gosh, that's me. Yes, let's do that. I'll organize people. We'll get t-shirts. It'll be great. And I was like, that parade is not in alignment with your values. You're going to have to say no this year. You know this now, (laughs) being where you are. (laughs) Saying no is really tough for people. And when you get clarity on your values, it becomes a compass. All of a sudden, it's a lot easier to be like, no, this, this is actually true north and this is pulling me west or this is pulling me east. And it's, it's not that saying no becomes easy, but it becomes easier mm-hmm. by saying no to the things that were not in alignment with, that, with your values. What did that free you up to say yes to? It freed me up to say yes to what I actually... Now I look at it and I look at my values as what I really wanted. So I was able to say yes to things that were in alignment with that. Like if you take connection for my first one, that meant that I could actually have FaceTime with my daughter and with my husband and not feeling like that was if I get a chance to. Mm -hmm. It's a priority now. Yeah. They are a priority. Isn't it interesting? Every, Every parent, every significant other says... My partner is a priority. My children are a priority. And if you followed many people around with a camera and documented what they do, their actions, I'll say it as a, I'll ask it as a question. Would their actions give the same message? No, not at all. Yeah. I'll put a GoPro on my head. I'll be the first one. And, And let's, you know, for you who's listening to this, 
take yourself off the hook and give yourself some grace. (laughs) This is something that every person goes on the journey. We all start treading, just trying to keep our heads above water. And, you know, Elizabeth, you get clarity in your values. You actually started implementing. You started knocking the dominoes down. So wherever you're at, if you're if you're feeling going, oh snap, I, I'm I'm not acting out my priorities, give yourself grace and yeah. hold yourself accountable. Based on that, what's one thing you can do differently? How did this lead to you starting to live the one thing? <laughs> you know, um, I love that question because then I actually got into the book, right? Yes. So convention is over and I'm like, hey, what's this thing that they were talking about? This one thing. And genuinely had the thought, this can't be true because we all have more than one thing. Said every person ever. Always, right? Coming in with this, what is this book going to tell me that I'm actually going to be able to use? So at first, maybe even questioning it. And then there was the multitasking chapter. And that was what like game changer right there. Because I was like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me that if I'm not running a load of laundry behind me, typing an email and on hold on the phone... I thought I was like crushing multitasking until I realized it was not a good thing. Hmm. And then that gave me permission to go, you know what? You're not supposed to be that. That's for computer programming, which Jeff, I had no idea that that's where the term multitasking had even generated from. Learning that I am not a computer and a machine and I'm not supposed to be doing all those things gave me permission to go, what does it feel like to to actually focus in on one thing at a time? A lot of people when we facilitate trainings around this, they hear this idea and they go, okay, I believe it. Multitasking is not the path to extraordinary results. You do not achieve as high of results as doing one thing at a time. But then they set the expectation that they have to stop multitasking, period. Which is, you know, think big, go small. Trust the dominoes will fall. How did you start by going small? Well, gee, how about I just finish the email that I'm writing? Finish a thought. Stay, stay in your space. So my small was, what can I conquer in the first hour of the day? Let me not attempt to get the entire day. And the, 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 the role that the one thing planner started to play in my life came in at this point because I didn't have the questions that I needed until I was able to use the reflective time to hone mm-hmm. in on that. So once I got to that place where I was like, okay, what is that one thing that I'm supposed to be working on? then let's time block for it. And what she's referring to for you who's listening to this is the one thing planner gives you a bigger view of time. It gives you a monthly spread for 12 months of the year. But in between each month, there are reflect and plan questions. These are very purposefully designed coaching questions to help you reflect on everything that's happened. And based on that, to actually put a more clear plan in place, whether it's for the next month or the next quarter. So you started to use those. Mm-hmm. What happened when you started asking the questions that were in the planner? That's where, where change really, I'm going to say, started to become cemented. And, and I say cemented because I felt like I was dabbling up until that point. Hmm. I didn't feel that I had a, a direct correlation with my goals. And when I, when I look about what that relationship with your goals are, that relationship is something that you know, I think about it like, you know, my husband of 20 years, you, you have to nurture this relationship, right? It's not going to just work on day one. That's not going to happen. And so what ended up, my focus started getting more refined and more refined. And it was, it was almost peculiar feeling because there were less things on the schedule. However, what was on the schedule mattered. So 
And this is interesting because um, I want to I want to really spell this out for people because we talk a lot about the models of the one thing, having a one page business plan, a GPS, having a tool that gives you clarity on your priorities every week, which is the four one one. That was not where you started. You started by just doing the core values exercise. And by looking at your calendar and asking, how do I say yes to things that are in alignment with my values and saying no to things that conflict with my values? And then you started using the planner. And since you flipped the page and saw these reflect and plan questions, you actually started searching to the answers to questions you hadn't asked before, which sharpened your focus. Yeah. What take us to the moment when you went from just implementing to realizing, I actually want to make a commitment to mastering this. It was that moment where I almost like, um, you know, when you have a really good bite of anything, like take it a cheeseburger or a taco, whatever, you take a really good bite of it and you're like, hmm, I want more of that. I can't wait for the next of it. And it was like that for me. It was like I started realizing that things were calmer in my mind. I started realizing that I was giving myself time to think. And then I started realizing the impact that it had professionally. It allowed me to excel. Almost like this felt too easy. It was like, wait, it's not that it's any easier. It's just that my focus is there. And I started realizing the impact that it had in in my personal life at home. How did it start to spill over into your home life? Well, for one thing, mom stopped sitting with her laptop on her lap after dinner. Mm. Um, and, and that's huge. My, my daughter is now 17 years old. And I go back to my journey and my head started when she was two years old in preschool. And you think about those years of, I didn't think she was listening. I didn't think she was paying attention. And it got really hard to, to fake being with her and connecting like eyeball to eyeball. And hey, honey, tell me about your day. What's going on in your world? If there's a laptop on my lap. And, and that was one of the first habits that I broke was in, in my world after dinner time did not mean it was okay to putting the laptop back out again. What did saying no to putting the laptop back on your lap allow you to actually say yes to? It allowed me to say yes to connection, mm-hmm. which is one of my core values. It allowed me to, to sit there and, and laugh with my family and enjoy something you know, on TV. It didn't really even matter what was on because we were there connecting. Sure, there's plenty of people right now that are, this is hitting. Because I remember when I was the guy that told myself I was being present with my family, but I was sitting on the couch checking email. I was on my phone. I I, I told myself I was there because physically I was in the room, but I wasn't actually present. And breaking that has allowed me to participate in so many moments that actually mattered that I would have missed otherwise. So what I'm really hearing you say is, you started to actually experience the benefits. And that's when you say, okay, I'm going to get serious about this. What did that look like? Getting serious meant that if I was going to have a relationship with my goals, we were going to have to go from dating and have to move in together. It was going to get serious. And and then that's where... I thought I was a good business planner. I thought I was a good, you know, GPS maker, creator, implementer until I really started looking at this. And and part of that shift happened, I'm going to say 2019 into 2020. And then 
in that 2020 year, that's that pandemic year that everybody's talking about, right? Yeah. In that year alone, Jeff, I went through four versions of my GPS because my relationship with my goals was so tight that I knew I was I wanted them. I just had to be flexible about how I was going to get them. For people who have never heard the term relationship with my goals, what does that mean to you? That means that we are intertwined. We are we are hanging out together. We're talking. We're 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 thinking together. We're bouncing off ideas off of each other. We're going, "Hey, this is not working. Well, well do you still want it? If you still want it, what are you going to do about it?" When we get into a relationship with a person. We go on dates, we communicate, we think about them. When things go well, we raise the bar for what's possible in that relationship. And when things go wrong, we ask the question, how do I get back on track? We know how to have a relationship with another person, but a lot of us struggle to have a relationship with our goals. We're great at setting them, saying what we want to do, but bringing that into our daily actions so that we're doing the things that bring us closer to what we want and also making up the gap when we're falling behind. Because you're going to fall behind. We, we, we really struggle with that. So tactically, what did you start doing to move from just implementing the one thing to now saying, I'm going to go on a path of mastery? Yeah. It started with a commitment to myself that I, I was going to be in this relationship with my goals. Mm. And that meant me playing around in the very beginning. And what I mean by that is, okay, I'm going to time block Friday morning. All right. Well, Friday morning didn't work out at first. Okay, I'm going to go for Sunday morning. All right, well, Sunday morning's not working out. I played with that. However, I was committed to it. I wasn't willing to say, oh, it's just not working for me this week or it's just not working for me next week. I was like, where are we going to find the time to make this work goals? And until I found my rhythm. And my rhythm right now is part of my Friday morning. I went back to it after I played around because in reality, it wasn't the time. It was my headspace. And getting there to, to be able to say, all right, goals, let's you and I sit down and have a chat. So tactically, it's my Friday morning. It's usually about... 90 minutes into the morning day, and I will sit there and I will look at them. Now, I am I use the 411 on a weekly basis, but before I even get to my 411, like tactically just to, to plan out the next week, I stop and I say, So, how did I do last week? Mm. What, what got accomplished? Where am I? Where am I on this playing field? And what still needs my attention? Yeah. At what point did you decide to weave a 411 into your rhythm? At the point where I wanted a little more, going back to this relationship with my goals, I felt like I needed a little bit more of a connection. Mm. It wasn't enough to just say, okay, I'm on track with my GPS. I'm working the planner. I'm using the reflective questions. I needed something to sit with me every week. And keeping my goals in front of me, being able to say, am I focusing in on this? And my 411 is part of my everyday. I see it. And, and and when you say that that connection to to really break this down for people again, a four one one is a tool that gives you clarity on your priorities. So it allows you to identify what your goals are for the year, personally and professionally. And based on that, break it down into the specific priorities you have to accomplish this month to be on track. And that allows you to break it down to okay, what are the handful of dominoes I got to knock down this week? Because a lot of people might say, I want to lose twenty pounds this year. Okay, well, based on that, what do you have to do this week to know that you're on track? Uh, and, be, and if you don't know that answer, it's too easy to say, I don't know, and then just react to the next thing that pops into your mind. 
And when you update a 411, it's a weekly rhythm. It's a weekly update. You are constantly able to identify tiny actions you can take this week that allow you to accomplish really big goals over time. If you have no idea what this looks like, go to theonething.com. And on the training page, we have some, some trainings around this. I would definitely check it out. So it's five to 10,000 feet. You get clarity on your core values. You realize your calendar and your actions are in conflict with your values, not in alignment. So you make changes. You say yes to the things that are in alignment. You say no to the things that are in conflict. You start to use the planner and use those reflect and plan questions just to sharpen your focus. You realize you actually want to have a relationship with your goals, not just set and forget them. So you eventually put create a business plan, a GPS, and you start doing a 411. So you have that weekly date with your goals. At what point did you decide, this is not just a way I want to live. I actually want to get certified in this. Jeff, that moment was for every working parent, every, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to just be me here, every, every working woman that has to be a partner, a mom, wants to be an entrepreneur, wants to be a business. I felt such goodness there that I was like, I need to shout this from the rooftop. There are more people that need to hear this. And, mm. and it was such an impactful thing that I didn't want to keep it to myself. So I decided that if you're going to really learn something, you teach it. Mm-hmm. Best thought, class you take is the one you Jeff teach. Woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. Let me call Jeff and see what he thinks. I actually remember that conversation. I know exactly where I was. I was driving home from the office. I can remember exactly on the freeway the moment when I went, oh, snap, this woman's got something. I know exactly where I was. I am curious, a lot of people... So for people who don't know, we, we actually have a program where we certify people in the one thing. And this is really about mastering this at an extraordinarily high level. It's about moving from just implementing it to really mastering this. Yourself is what we call a practice leader. You practice what you teach. So you earn the right to then be valid to turn around and empower others to actually start living it. What did you discover going through that program that you didn't know prior to it? I didn't really see how much it start needs to start within you, your, your mindset, your, your ability to go, I need to be open to this. It wasn't just something that I was being quote unquote sold to do. It wasn't a tool. One of the things that, that every person who ultimately gets to a level of mastery on this realizes is, while the, f- the principles and the frameworks, the GPS and the 411 are simple, they're not easy. It is not the lead domino for most people. How did you learn how to help others start doing this in a way that felt simple? By asking these the questions, by by really, you know, it's it's not a bumper sticker, it's not a t it's not a tagline. You know, what's that one thing that you can do that makes everything else easier or unnecessary? Honing in on that and continuing to ask yourself that until the point where like it's not a myth. When you think it's so simple, you're like, no, really? I just do that? It's, it's the truth. And, and being able to give that gift to others to think, you know what? You, you're overthinking this. We're making it too complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and at the core of this is most people ask themselves the focusing question, what's the one thing I can do? Such that by doing it, 
Everything else will be easier or unnecessary. And they then either think, I don't know, or I have more than one thing. And they give up. What you learned was it's thinking big and helping them go small. You'd give them the space to search for the answer past I don't know, past I have more than one thing to arrive at an answer for a area of their life. And then you ask, it's, it's usually still too big. So you ask again, well, what's the one thing you could do that would make doing that easier or unnecessary? And you keep asking it until it is a two-inch domino that is so small that effortlessly with the flick of a finger, it falls. And because the dominoes are lined up, everything else actually does become easier or unnecessary. You fast forward. Uh, we, I, I, just, I remember watching you go through the program and you were a shining star. <laughs> and the, the point where we had the conversation about, should we actually be in business together? Which ultimately the answer was yes. Now that you're officially inside our world and working with our corporate partners, the companies that say, hey, I want to bring this to organization. What have you learned? I've learned that everybody could use this. Mm. I've learned that even the, the biggest of challenges, the most complex of problems, everybody could use this. And when you give yourself permission to just say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to think about this question. It's amazing what shows up. Yeah. Has it surprised you? I know for me, I was amazed at how, regardless of industry, literally name any industry, if you know the right questions to ask and have a simple framework that people can follow, it can apply and it can lead to extraordinary results. What's been your experience there? Yeah, it's, I, I love your point about the industries. It really doesn't matter what we're talking about. It has, does not matter one bit. Being able to ask these questions and teaching people how to think, giving them the opportunity in the space, because in my humble opinion, Jeff, sometimes leaders don't even think that they need the, the they don't think that they need it. They don't think that they have it. And once they start realizing that, wait a minute, if leaders would lean into this, they would realize that it is the change that is necessary for their whole entire organization. The impact is a true triple-down effect. And, and, and really, it's because if you sit down with most leaders and ask them, what's the one thing for the organization? They'll say, we have more than one thing. You can have more than one thing that you're doing in an organization and still have an overarching North Star, an overarching one thing that everything else should be in alignment with it, or it's a distraction. And because they don't know how to get clarity on what that is, they assume it's not possible, which is not the truth. And once every person in the organization is clear on this is the one thing for our organization for this year, you then get to look at, okay, what are the priorities that we're going to say yes to? Instead of just reacting to what you've always reacted to because you've always reacted to it, it's now a purposeful decision. Is does saying yes to this project, this initiative, this priority line up with our one thing or is it in conflict with it? And when we find all the things that we're going to say yes to because they line up, 
If we could only say yes to one, which would it be? And should we earn the right to say yes to a second, which would it be? And should we earn the right to say yes to a third, which would it be? And then you look at the team you have and you, okay, well, who's going to wake up and say, priority number one's my one thing. Not that they're the only person that does that thing, but they're the person who's accountable for rallying the troops and making sure that everybody's marching in the same direction. And then bringing it down to the point that every single person on a weekly basis can look at their leader and say, yeah, here's the handful of dominoes that if I just knock these down, automatically puts me on track for my goals for the month, the year, delivering my portion of the business plan, which puts us in alignment with the goals of the organization. Jeff, that piece on alignment is huge. I've worked with organizations that when you look at their 411s, you wonder if they're all working for the same company. <laughs> That's interesting. Tell me more about that. I, I, I like the, to print them out and put them side by side and said, okay, if I took this map, if I use the 411 as a map, where am I going to go? And distinctly, I remember looking at four of them and going, well, this person's going to end up in the shipping department. This person's going to end up, I'm really not quite sure where. This person's got an idea. They're on the playing field, but they're not in alignment with the leader. And that's what it gave me that, all right, well, we've got some work to do. I love that. Reflecting back on your journey. Go back to the Elizabeth who's sitting on the couch with her laptop, with her two-year-old sitting next to her. What would you tell her that you now know that you didn't know back then? First, I would tell her that it's okay not to know everything all the time. <laughs> be willing to be on the journey. Right? Be, willing to, be willing to get on the journey. Mm-hmm. And that focusing on yourself as, as crazy and as hard as that is, even is for me to say as a mother and as a wife and as all these things, focus it on yourself. Because when you find that one thing within you, everything else is possible. I'm sure there are going to be some people listening to this. I mean, it's a very common answer that we get when we talk to people um, who are interested, whether it's the certification program or whatever it is. They feel they want to master it themselves and they feel compelled to share it. What advice would you give to somebody who's in that spot right now where they're saying, I want to really get serious about living this for myself So I live this at an extraordinarily high level. And I also want to make an impact. I want to help other people. Jeff, they need to come into our world and do our certification program. Our certification program, I feel like it's like a little nest and it just holds people. And not only because that that change started within you first, and then it allows you to go out there and say, hey, I've got a thing or two I'd like to talk to you about. Here's the interesting thing about this. Um, when we, we filter every person who comes into this uh, and we say no to about the same number of people that we say yes to even coming in because your intentions have to be the right intentions. And you said something there that's really important. Wanting to live it yourself first. Yeah. Authenticity is one of the core values of our brand. We did the exercise and defined what are the core values of the one thing. Authenticity is one of them. You don't earn the right to empower others to go on this journey until you first and foremost have looked in the mirror and taken the steps yourself. 
Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean you have to have mastered it. But you have to have begun the journey so you can, with validity, look back and help people who haven't taken the steps that you've taken. It's vital. Because the the objections you get, I have more than one thing. Instead of going, well, the book says you only, it's what's the one thing? No, that's not going to fly. It's, I remember thinking the exact same thing. I can tell you exactly where I was in my life when I looked up and I saw everything and I had my doubts myself. And here's what I discovered. Here's the steps that I took. So based on everything I just shared, what's the one thing you can do? That's how you empower others. If you'd like to learn more about the certification program, just head on over to theonething.com slash certification. That's theonething.com with the number one in the URL, onething.com slash certification. You can learn more about that. Elizabeth, what final words would you share with the people who are listening to this? I would share with them that if you're thinking that it's not possible, it actually really is. Mm. Start somewhere. Love that. Path to getting everything you want starts by getting one thing at a time. Think big, go small, trust the dominoes will fall. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Elizabeth Curry, a mother, a wife, a businesswoman who went on her own journey, moving from treading, just trying to keep her head above water to implementing the one thing by identifying her core values, making sure that her calendar reflected it, starting to use the reflect and plan questions in the one thing planner to earning the right to create a GPS, create a 411, And then ultimately experiencing enough benefit that she said, no, I'm going to make a real commitment here. I'm going to go on a path of mastery. And for her, that led to the certification. For her to go through an intense program where we would actually certify her, not only that she lives this at a high level, but that she could earn the right to actually go out and empower others. And she did it so well that we actually just had to bring her into our organization. And now she's in a place where she truly is empowering others. She is working with companies that we engage with to help transform their culture. And it all started because she began the journey herself. Our sincere hope is that by hearing this episode, it's a case study of a way you can begin the journey of living the one thing. There's no right or wrong way. It's just asking the question, what's the one thing I can do? Such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. I'm going to share a bunch of resources with you right now because she referenced many, many, many things. First and foremost, again, the certification, if you're interested in learning more about that, it's the one thing.com slash certification. If you're an organization that's wanting to bring this to your company so that your people talk this way, if you head on over to the one thing.com on our training page, you can learn more about how we work with organizations. Uh, people like Elizabeth are the corporate trainers and consultants that work with you to actually make this part of your culture. And if you have not yet checked out the core values deck or the One Thing Planner, you can check them out on Amazon. Or if you go to the onething.com, click on the shop page, you'll see them all there as well. If this episode has brought value to you, please share it with somebody else who needs to hear this. It would genuinely mean the world to us. And if you've not yet subscribed to the show, make sure you click that button. That allows all future episodes to automatically be downloaded to your device of choice. And while you're at it, if you would leave us a rating or review, it genuinely helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time so you can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.